Okay, we are live. Hello, everyone. This is Wine, Women, and Words. I'm Michelle, and Diana is with me, of course. Hello. As someone who shall remain nameless plays World of Warcraft in the background. <laughs> We're going to have our own soundtrack while we do this. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Definitely not my husband, because he would never play something like that. Oh, please. I think oh, most women's husbands play that. Gives us time to read. It's okay. Let your nerd flag fly. Be proud. He's so We're outing you as a geek rich. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we, um, the name of this episode right now, if you look on YouTube, says Animal Companions. Now, when we first suggested this topic, we were both like, oh my God, such a great idea. We have tons of ideas. I had two. And I spent like a good two hours staring at my bookcase going, okay, there has to be another one. I couldn't even think of like, and I started thinking of different animals. Like, okay, what about a book with a horse? There has to be a book with a horse. I got nothing. So. I had three ideas, and I figured I'll come up with more. And then I went to Costco after work. <laughs> and then I hurried up, came home, like, stashed all the cold stuff in the fridge, leaving all the dry stuff on my counter, and then ran up here. Because, yeah, I totally did not give myself enough time to go to Costco and do this. So I did not have time to think of anything further. But, yeah, I, I've got – I had three, including – uh, the uh, Hellcat, what was it? What was the name again? I, and I completely forgot the Hellcat's name. Huh? Thrax, the Hellcat from. Thrax, that's right. Cause that is such an awesome name. I know. I want to get a cat and name him Thrax now. Yes. Let's get a cat, babe. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, um, right now we're discussing getting another bearded dragon since our bearded dragon died recently, and I kind of like the idea of the name Thrax for it. Oh, Smog. I love Smog. Smog was an awesome bearded dragon. I love bearded dragons because they're so interactive. And she was our little voyeur because we have her cage in our family room. And then she just used to like to sit and watch everybody. And we used to joke that she controlled the weather because whenever the barometer, uh, barometric pressure changed, she would go and put, go on a hive. And so she would do that like two or three days before it would rain. So we always knew when it was going to rain. She was like Pudge. As long as I fed her crickets, she would tell me the weather. <laughs> that was a Lilo and Stitch reference, and I know that because we watch it 20 times a day. Not really, but we watch it a lot. Well, I have a dog named Lilo, so I mean, <laughs> I know my Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> so due to the lack of um, animal companion books, because I had two, and one of them I was pretty sure was already on your list. Which one? Uh, Chet and Bernie. It wasn't on my list. Oh, see, you would have had four. <laughs> Including tonight's book. Yeah. So we decided um, shortly before I clicked start broadcast that we were going to switch to adventure books. So <laughs> I'll be updating the name of this episode after our show. Um, and we're going with adventure books that take you places because... I mean, what's an adventure if you just stay home? Yes, and mine, all right, so 
given that we changed the topic um, five minutes ago, this was a frantic search of my bookshelf. Mine are probably going to veer more into adventure slash thrillers. Um, but as long as we use the term and the genre adventure loosely, we're good to go. Hmm. Well, I mean, you figure you have to go somewhere. Like, I know you've got Dan Brown on yours, and they go pretty much all over Europe. Mm -hmm. What I would like to do one day is travel through Europe and do Dan Brown tours. And I know that they have them in Paris because I booked one for a client when I was a travel agent. So I know they exist, but I want like the all-encompassing thing. Like I want to start in Paris and go to Rome and Scotland and where else did he go? He went, where is um, that famous landmark? <laughs> Uh, the how do you pronounce it? Hagia Sophia, Sophia, Hagia Sophia, Prague. I really read. I read. The, I read his first two books and then like them and try to forget as much as, as possible. Well, anyway, so let's start with our list. Why don't you go first? Okay, since we already we already started with yours with Dan Brown. Well, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go into his a little bit deeper, but sorry, I can't give you I can't give out Thomas from the Peanut Gallery while you do it, Edith. You absolutely can. Oh, fantastic. All right, so first book on my list. Um, I'm going with The Undesirables, which um, this, yeah, some of you may be familiar with this because uh, Chad, who wrote The Undesirables, is going to be a book with Oro. Yes. And we're going to be reading his uh, this book in, in July, so. If you all want to be uh, good students after you finish The Golden Dragon, you can pick up The Undesirables and read ahead, really far ahead. <laughs> but that one's an adventure one because, I mean, you've got the main character, uh, Claire. You have to forgive me because my mind is going in like a million different places, by the way, everyone, uh, since I'm getting up to the, right up to the time of Boca de Oro, so uh, the pressure's on to get everything together. So my mind is so sporadic right now. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Claire. If not, let's call her Claire, uh, the cellist. And my book's downstairs, so I can't even double check. Um, and she's stuck in Leningrad during World War II. And if you know anything about uh, Russia and World War II, the Germans uh, were laying a siege to Leningrad, and everybody was trapped in there. And she was a 17-year-old American girl there all by herself. That's terrifying. Right? All right. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the hell I would have done in that situation. No. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the book, and um, as Diana mentioned, we we are going to be reading this book later in the summer. Mm -hmm. Very exciting things. We have practically the entire year scheduled for our books, um, so we are bringing Chad on the show. Um, this is the one that you told me there was an interesting love triangle, and we have to have T-shirts made for Team. Team Whoever. And team Bobby. Okay. So, if you I'm guys... thinking, I, I'm, and, and that's one of the things where I'm thinking, you know, I'm definitely Team Peter from the very beginning. Um, that I'm from from the get go, and it's not just because Peter has is, is such a dog person. Um, I really liked his character, but I'm also I I kind of feel like you might end up being Team Bobby, just because he's such a nice guy. 
Yeah, there's a good chance. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of feel we're going to have that kind of situation going. Um, but yeah, and everybody's on an adventure. They're all trying to get to one spot. Uh, she finds herself with Peter, and they end up trucking pretty much across Russia from the east to the west. And um, and then you've got Bobby, who's in New York, who ends up trying, who's who joins the Air Force to try to do something about World War II to try to help her. And so he's got his adventures that he's going on because he's a fighter pilot. So everybody's on an adventure in that book, and it's a fun, it's a fun book. And FYI, her name is Karen. Karen, thank you. <laughs> I knew it started with a that hard C sound for something. The I think sound. I need wine. Yeah, I need more wine because I need to have drunken recall. And um, speaking of wine, this evening, um, earlier today, Diana and I had a very interesting converse, conversation about pairing wines with books, which will all make sense if you all go to her literary festival, Bocador. Um, but I am enjoying That's this. That's a thing, too. We love pairing our wine with our books. Yes. Yes, it, it started here. Just letting you know. Mm -hmm. I am having a Malbec Syrah called Perlita, and it's an Argentinian wine, and it's really spicy, and it's a little spicier than I usually like my wines, but it's good. It was a, you said it was a Malbec Syrah? Yes. I didn't write that down earlier. Um, I'm drinking a wine that I'm not so sure about. Uh, it's a Pinot Noir, and it's uh, Santa Alicia, um, and it's um, a Chilean. So we're definitely going with the South American wine. Oh, you got the memo too. Great. Yeah, I did, and so this is mine. I seem to forget how sweet Pinot Noirs can be. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big sweet wine fan, so I really, really have to be in the mood for a Pinot Noir. But I, th I was thinking this one would be good. Just because, um, I don't know, it's a sweeter wine, and I could kind of see this being the kind of wine that they would have on the ship. Assuming that they had wine in that room. But like the captain, um, Thorpe, I think he, this is the kind of wine that he would have. Something a little bit more on the sweeter side of things. Yeah, we're going to circle back to Thorpe and Dashwood because um, I have five comments about them. Me too. So I can't wait to get to that. So we should probably hurry up and get through our list. Um, so, all right. So I had Dan Brown. Now, um, obviously, The Da Vinci Code is my great love with Dan Brown. Um, but all of his books, and I know Diana isn't the biggest fan of Dan Brown, but I don't know where you get that from. <laughs> um, his he's he does research his his uh, his theories and his locations really well, and his, his pays very good attention to detail. And his character Robert Langdon goes everywhere. Like I don't. He he had one book that was here in the United States, and that was the Lost Symbol. And it was all about um, the Freemasons and um, the Founding Fathers and uh, secret societies kind of surrounding uh, 
pre or post revolutionary politics. It's really good. Um, but Robert Lincoln goes everywhere. And I, I don't think there's a single book that he's written that I haven't liked. But his three books before he created Robert Langdon, it was Deception Point and two others that are slipping my mind right now, maybe one other. They're good, they're thrillers, but they're not on that, on that level as Robert Langdon. But if you want one that's maybe not as controversial as The Da Vinci Code, I would say start with Inferno which the movie just came out on TV, and the movie's really good, but I don't remember it being like that, so I have to go back and reread it. Or start with The Lost Symbol, because that has a lot of like homegrown conspiracy theories and secret societies, so it's really interesting to read about the things that, and the places that he visits and the secret societies that he talks about that are here, that you can actually go see, so I thought that was fun. Well, I see your Dan Brown, and I raise you a Gail character. <laughs> totally. Um, her books are, they're steampunk adventure books, too. Um, you've got the Parasol Protectorate series, and specifically looking at uh, Blameless and Heartless, um, the later ones um, in her series, she ends up traveling around Europe and... Um, the imagination behind it with it all, behind everything, where you've got steampunk uh, London, and she has this great world created in there, but then you also have um, the steampunk world in Italy and Paris. And then she went into the uh, Young Adult series where, hi Nemo, yes, I see you, um, where the steampunk book is set on an airship. So of course they're traveling all over the place. And there's a mechanical dachshund in there, so I mean, you gotta love it. Um, that just made me think of uh, Neverwhere. It was Neverwhere, right? Neil Gaiman. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Now that is a good adventure book too, I would have to say. So I'll throw that on the list. Um, and Stardust. Yes, oh my gosh, Stardust, yes. I did not know that that was based on a book when I saw the movie. Neither did I. I didn't know. I, I hadn't I even been introduced really to Neil Gaiman. It was funny because I'd seen his movies. Um, Coraline, the one with the kind of cartoon one where the girl ends up in another world and the mom. Yeah, the kid one with the buttons for eyes. Yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> you didn't see it? No, it looked terrifying. It was not that terrifying. It really wasn't that bad, but that's based on a book that he did. So that's one of his. So, uh, yeah, and Stardust, I didn't know that was his, and I absolutely loved that movie. And then my friend was like, how could you have never read anything by Neil Gaiman? You need to fix this right now. So I did, and I started with Stardust because I didn't realize that was his, and I absolutely loved it. I haven't read Stardust yet, but I really want to. I'll have to add that to the list. Mm -hmm. Yes, Coraline reminded me too much of the night before Nightmare Before Christmas, and I've tried so many times to watch that movie, and I just can't. I, Nightmare Before Christmas? It freaks me out. They kidnap Santa. <laughs> Don't like it. 
You must be wonderful for watching horror movies with. I can't do it anymore. I used to love horror movies, but... You love horror movies, but, and now you can't even bring yourself to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas? I mean, that's that's gone on for a long time. I've tried many times. But, I mean, Sally, she's falling apart. She has that creepy guy who, like, owns her or something. I <clears throat> he needed her. He needed her. Well, still, it's freaky, and I don't like it. And I know there are many people out there who will say I'm crazy, and it's the best movie ever. But when Lily is old enough and she wants to watch it, she can watch it with her friends. <laughs> yeah, you you tell them. Who's um, on your list besides uh, Neil Gaiman? The next book. All right, so this kind of veers into, I think it could probably be a couple of different genres, but it's called The Year Zero. And <clears throat> it's by an author named Jeff Long. And basically, it's kind of um, not historical. It's like a, it's a thriller with uh, a virus, end of the world, uh, what's the word? Um, apocalypse type book. But... Um, it starts, basically the, the gist of the story is they discover, um, they discover a sliver of the cross that Jesus was crucified on. And these scientists want to clone him to bring about, basically bring about the second coming. Um, however, once when they open the the canister that the the cross was enclosed in, they basically release a virus that had gone out and had died out back when Jesus was crucified. So our bio, biology has no defenses against it, and it basically wipes out you know ninety nine percent of humanity. And an archaeologist has to kind of journey across the world, get back to the United States, figure out what happened, because he was in a jail in Tibet, I think, um, when all of it happened, which is why he was isolated and it didn't kill him. Um, so it's kind of like, kind of like Rick from The Walking Dead in the coma, where, you know, he had no clue what was going on when he woke up. But he does go everywhere. So maybe not necessarily the type of adventure that we're talking about right now, but it dabbles in adventure. And it's a very good book. It's just creepy because it's viruses, you know, that can happen. <sighs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're not a monster you can see. I don't like that. Good book. <laughs> you don't prove. Yes. Um, I would, my next one is going to be Jennifer Lamb's books, uh, The Secret Daughter of the Tsar and the Tsarina's Legacy. Which I am still about halfway through. I had to put it on pause to, um, start reading The Golden Dragon. But, um, I really want to read the first book now because I, for some reason, in my mind, all of, it, it really didn't connect that that happened not so long ago. <laughs> you know, it's fairly recent history. The um, 
you know, Anastasia and the Tsar's family being killed. And yeah, that was like, that's only like, what, 20th century? It was the early 1900s. Yeah. Like, not like the early, early 1900s, but I want to say it was like, but somewhere between like 1910 and 1920. Mm-hmm. Because, and they covered in Downton Abbey. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they touched based on Downton Abbey. You didn't watch Downton Abbey, did you? No, I didn't. Mm. I watched yeah, they talk about it. one episode. Yeah, they talk about it um, because uh, one of the characters is very much a socialist, and they talk about what happened and the after effects of it. And um, the obviously the father who was there was surprised, upset, because he knew some of the family. So, and he thought it was just an atrocity, which it absolutely was. Don't get me wrong, total atrocity. Yeah, I started researching um, what happened to the Romanov family when I started reading the um, Secret Daughter of the Tsar. Mm -hmm. And that's awful what happened to them. Like those mm -hmm. poor little girls. They were that, I'm, it's brutal. Yes. But with um, Veronica and her uh, travels, I mean, she goes from California to New York, and then in the second book, she goes to Russia. You know, those are some total adventures that she goes on. And I would love to go to Russia. I think, I, I love the Russian language. I think it's one of the most beautiful languages ever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I really want to finish this book because um, I want to know if my hatred of Irina is justified. <laughs> I I, you know what? At this point, I think you're. I think it is just like I don't like her either. Um, but we can. I do want to go to Saint Petersburg. Saint Petersburg looks wonderful. Um, after Jennifer Lamb, my next book is going to be The Memory Painter. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you read that one too, huh? I love that book. Is that a sequel? Yeah. Isn't isn't she writing a sequel now? I heard something about it. I think so. I think she is. We might have to have her on for the sequel. I would love that. The Memory Painter is just, it, it's adventures through space and time and various lives. And it's just such a lovely written book. And definitely adventures. Basically, how, how can I explain it without keeping it away? Um, present day, there's a guy who can paint. Um, he does these paintings of people from that are basically from the past, and in the book you get to go and you look at these lives of these people, and then you've got this geneticist who is studying, um, really studying the genome of that connects us to our um, reincarnation. So it was it was really well done, and I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved that book. That was that was one of the books that when you get there's a certain point in really good books that you literally cannot put it down mm -hmm. and you just have to like you read as fast as you possibly can to get to the end to find out what happens while at the same time absolutely dreading the fact that you're almost done with the book. Yeah, and it's funny how that happened with me because I was supposed to I was reading it for um, historical fiction book tours and. I forgot that my deadline to actually have my post up was like 
two, like it was like on a Sunday or on a Monday that I realized I was supposed to read, uh, read the book or, and write about the book on Wednesday. So I was like, Oh crap, I haven't even picked it up yet. I need to start reading this. So I started it on Monday and I was easily able to finish it by Tuesday at midnight. Well, it took me a little bit longer, but it was, <laughs> it was a really good book. Um, I, as, yeah, we were talking, hmm? I, as we were talking, I realized that two of our past One Women Words books could definitely qualify as adventures if we're talking about going places and okay. journeying. Mm -hmm. uh, one is The Lemoncholy Life of Amity Astor by mm -hmm. Scott Wilbanks. Yes, definitely. That um, is definitely an adventure book. I, I I went back and I re-listened to or re-watched a lot of our episodes um, last week. And uh, Scott's is probably one of my favorites of, um, of the author. Anyway, I mean, I love all of them. But we could have talked to him for like three hours if he hadn't had a dinner date to go to. Um, <laughs> we probably would have. But um, that book, and I checked his website to see if, his new book is finished, but it is not still it's still a work in progress. Um, but if, if for any of you who didn't watch that episode, the Lemoncholy Life of Annie Astor um, is basically a time travel book. Mm -hmm. So she goes from I, I guess it's like the 1990s, mm -hmm. uh, San Francisco, to the 1800s, Kansas. And right, yes, yes rough, yeah, all by walking through a door that she has installed in her kitchen. Yep, goes into her backyard and Kansas, 1800, and then mm -hmm. goes back, and she's in 1990 San Francisco. Um, but that book was so much fun, and yeah. I wasn't really expecting to love it so much. But me too. It's one of the few books that I actually wrote down quotes from because mm -hmm. I loved how it was written so much. Mm -hmm. And then another one that was also on our show was The Semper Sonnet by Seth Margulis. How can we not have that down on an adventure book? Because, I mean, she goes everywhere. Um, I'm sorry. And she framed for murder in New York, and then she goes to... England, she goes to somewhere in the Midwest, I forget where. It was no Massachusetts. Or Massachusetts, not the yeah, Midwest. Yeah, she was like with the Massachusetts, from Massachusetts to New York. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, and that ties into my love for all things Tudor. So, mm -hmm. of course, it was perfect for me. And your love for all things Shakespeare, mm -hmm. perfect for you. Mm -hmm. It was really the perfect book for the two of us to read together. It was. I mean, and really, I mean, I guess technically, I mean, Jennifer Lamb's book is another past Wine, Women, and Words book. Because we sure. had Marina's Legacy. That was another one. And then the next one that I've got on my list, which is last month's book, Dido's Crown, which totally fits for an adventure book. Yes. You like our adventures. Because, um, I mean, as you all know, because I'm sure you've read it with us, uh, she travels from to North Africa, from North Africa to France, then back to North to North Africa, to Tunisia, 
Tunisia, wherever you pronounce it, uh, then up to England. They're all over the place. They're all over Europe, and it's wonderful. It's definitely an adventure. So I've really actually read a lot of adventure books in mm -hmm. the Wine, Women, and Words history. And fun fact, we are coming up on our one-year anniversary in a few months. So we have big things planned for our anniversary month. We definitely do. Um, we just have to make those plans actually happen. Right. <laughs> um, so did you want to start talking about the book? Yes. Yes, because I was reading it today, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk to Michelle about this. Because um, I was like, I need to talk about this book, and I need to talk about it, like, yesterday. Um, so much stuff. Now, I'm only on Chapter 9, so we are definitely behind on where we should be. Theoretically, we should be, if we're sticking to our original um, points, we should be at, what, Chapter? I think like 12. 12 or 16, yeah, 12 I think it is. I forget how many chapters there are. So we're just free reading at this point. Um, schedule will be damned. So I don't think Miriam would quite like that. <laughs> no, no, probably not. So um, one thing that I really want to talk to Ava about uh, when she comes on the show is, is she a sailor? Like, does she have a background? in uh, the Navy or medical? Obviously, I know you've been following me on Instagram, and everybody else out there should be following me on Instagram. Uh, one of the facts I put out about Ava was that she's got her background is in like a very scientific background with like physics, and um, she worked for the electric company, and she's got a mathematics background. Um, but I think this is a lot of just research. Well, it's very convincing. Yeah. And I mean, her, her other books, her previous two books, um, our historical fiction books were, um, set, you know, high seas adventures. Well, I want to talk to her about her research for the sailing part because obviously it's an airship. So she has to take some artistic liberties as far as how to make the ship fly. But it, it sounds believable to me. I mean, I I can't sail, so I can't really say. Maybe it's not as believable to someone who, you know, has spent 13 years in the Navy. Maybe. Look at me. <laughs> but it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, yeah, I just love that. And I, I haven't read um, a good chunk of steampunk books in the past. I really, you know, it definitely has that ship, you know, quality where she's got the historical accuracies. And I mean, even reading Outlander, um, and it matches up with the ship stuff. I don't know. I'm the wife of a fisherman, so I don't know that much about it. I just know how to cook the fish that he brings home, which I wonder if she has a recipe for flying fish. I just passed that part, so I know what, what part you're talking about. <laughs> um... But I like, I think it's interesting how they basically, whenever they are getting ready to take off, um, they basically break down the entire living quarters. Like they break down, at least that's how, how I read it, was they break down the walls and they break down everything so it's not, it's open, open space. Mm -hmm. That's how I picture it in my mind. 
-hmm. but um captain thorpe mm -hmm. so are you your team captain thorpe you know i i really wanted to be team dashwood because he seemed so like dashing <laughs> <At the beginning. laughs> And it's so funny, you see him as dashing. I see him as Chuck from Zachary Levi from the show from the show Chuck. I, I see that. I see him where he has the ability to be dashing, but yet, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a scene where he just trips and sprawls out in front of her where he just has this somewhat goofy quality to him. And wow. I love my men nerdy and goofy. Um you know, I've always had a thing for Zachary Levi, and Hugh, uh, Hugh Grant is another one. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards um, towards Dashwood, but with Thorpe, I like his um, I like his style. I don't know. The more Scott, uh, his Scottish accent comes out, the more I picture Jamie, and the more I picture Jamie, the more I like him. <laughs> so the I mean, forget about cool. everything else. Right. Um, no, I. I so when when I first meet Dashwood at the beginning, he seems like he's very you know put together and he runs the ship and you know he knows what he's doing. But then he gets on Thorpe's ship and he turns into this like giddy little kid who, who got exactly what he wanted for Christmas. Well, wouldn't you if you go from a regular ship to a flying ship? Well, I mean, absolutely. But like. <laughs> like um, basically what you said like this total nerd side comes out of him which is absolutely adorable and i really want to cheer for him but i'm pretty sure thorpe is going to win out because he now he is dashing and i i i wish i could describe how i picture him in my mind but it's very abstract but it's it's very handsome <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 the more I get to know the character, the more I start to picture him. Um, Sam, I, I can't pronounce his last name. It's Hoogan. Hoogan. Hoon. Jamie. Yeah. Jamie. Yeah, Jamie from Outlander. I, I kind of, I've been picturing him, and it's like, oh, damn it. Now, you know, obviously going to be, you know, lean towards Teen Thorpe, even though my natural instincts are to go for the goofy, nerdy boy. Um, but did you get to the part where she had the dinner? No, she, you haven't gotten to that part. No. I, <clears throat> so the last thing that I read that I, oops, that I really like absorbed was they kind of went into um, their different religions, how um, he kind of made assumptions about her religions and her beliefs, and she kind of called him on his bullshit. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and said, well, you come from a Christian country. Am I to believe that you are a Christian just because that's where you're from? So I like that, you know, she started out as a super confident, um, super independent character. But then when she went on to Thorpe's ship, she kind of like shrunk a little bit, I feel like. And she, mm -hmm. that's how, how I what I got from her. She mm -hmm. kind of was like, well, I don't want to step on toes, but now she's getting back to her her regular character, and I like that 
she is starting to get more comfortable around him that she's letting her her real personality come out because she's she's not quite as sarcastic as Mary from Dido's Crown, but she's But that's really a hard level of, that's a high level of sarcasm to try to reach. I mean there's not many characters who can reach that level of sarcasm. Yeah, no, I've no. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I feel like Miriam is one of these characters who, who's who can morph. She's going to morph. Or she's going to have these ups and downs where you have, you know, that downtime like you talked about isn't so much as of her shrinking. It's making her herself appear like she's shrinking mm -hmm. and stepping back because I think it's she's one of those kinds of people who. She's in a new environment, so she's going to try to blend into the shadows and be as unsuspecting as, and as unassuming as she possibly can be so that she can grasp as much as possible without people making assumptions. But I think Thorpe is helping her. She's getting more comfortable. She's kind of sizing Thorpe up, and she's getting more comfortable, and her, her true character is coming out again. I do think there is that one short little scene that's very easy to forget <clears throat> as you're reading the story. But her brother and her fiance show yeah. up in Algiers after she left looking mm -hmm. for her. And I don't I don't really like them at all. They it made it like they you know they came under the pretense that they're worried about her and they're trying to find her and bring her home. Mm -hmm. And um, the fiance just kind of seems like a whiny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like him. I wonder why she left him. <laughs> but I really want to know why she ran away from home because now it's been brought up a few times to be significant like it had it's not just you know some like little factoid for the character mm -hmm. so and i just really want to know mm -hmm. yeah i i find it really interesting though and i mean she's a unusual character for that culture really i mean or at least i can't say unusual but she's not she doesn't put that stereotype and i think that's what we come across a lot where she comes across throughout the book with the characters that she meets that she's you know she's a woman in and of herself doing things on her own outside of the um what is expected of her in that culture and i mean she even talks about it and how you know this isn't something that her family would be okay with mm -hmm. and i almost think it's like really timely that we're reading this book now and i love that um, Eva obviously took the time to, re or Ava, so, um, really took the time to read. So we have a friend who's named Eva, so we go back, so, so Michelle's going to slip back into Eva, if it's, just forgive her. <laughs> um, you know, she took the time to research it, and mm -hmm. I think, uh, I, I just find it very timely that we're reading a book about an independent woman from a Middle Eastern co 
country that people make assumptions about and mm -hmm. think she's a certain way just because of where she's from. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a great book to have to be out there because it's also one of um, diversity, you know, having diverse books. I And I hope, you know, we you've noticed that we have we have a diverse um, casting of our characters throughout these books, and I think she's she's a great one, and I think she's also a great role model for um, Middle Eastern women in the in the U.S. or in general to look at to read. Because I mean, it's not like she's she's she she extends a, she has a lot of really good qualities that would make her a really good literary role model. Well, I'm so basically. If I'm reading the plot correctly, she's basically going to go undercover with pirates to rescue the niece of a Dutch ambassador or whatever he is. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. and, she's, and we get to meet her stepfather, which that'll be interesting too to see. I'm sure we'll probably get more backstory in that. Well, okay, so here's my thing. He obviously, I don't know, I don't know if he recommended her for this journey or this, you know, um, assignment, mm -hmm. or if it's just coincidence that she is going to wherever he is stationed. Or if there's somebody else behind it. Or if there's somebody else behind it. But he has to know that she's coming by this point, right? I mean, don't you think? Possibly, but I mean, it's not like they could pick up a telephone and call him. No, but I, I mean, if if he's he's located at the base that she's heading to, so and he's obviously high up enough to be kept abreast of these types of situations, these arrivals. They can always, so, if they want to keep her secret, her identity secret, they might not necessarily say who she is. Okay. Just that they have an operative that's coming. And she's going to be coming on the ship, so he might know that the ship is coming, but he might not necessarily know that it's her. That's true. Because I was thinking, if she ran away from home and her brother and her fiancé are looking for her, it's kind of a moot point for them to be running around after her if their stepfather knows where she's going to be. That so is assuming, you're making one really big assumption here. You're assuming that her, her stepfather and mother are still together, and that the brother, and or that the brother and the fiance, are totally cool with the stepfather. No, I Who's, know they're one big that, happy family. That could be, you know, it could be like Team Miriam and Team I forget the name of her brother. So yeah, it, did they mention was, the name of the brother? Because I didn't catch that. They did, and yeah. I forget what it was. Um, I'm just say the horrible brother. The, the horrible brother and the horrible brother. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I almost feel like there's obviously some tension between her and her stepfather, but I feel like he's protecting her in a way because he could just as easily let her brother know, like, hey, this is where she's going to be, when she's going to be here. Come but get you're her. assuming that they talk to each other, that they're okay oh, with each other. No, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they talk to each other. I think that the brother has his own motives and his own thing going on. I think that she she came out from a really crappy um, Jerry Springer-esque family structure. 
Yes, well, Jerry Springer, the steampunk version. It was clear, well, okay, assuming, but I am assuming it was mm -hmm. an arranged marriage because I don't think. Obviously, because I don't think she would go no. for a whiny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she can barely handle some of the whiny women that she comes across. Um, and there's a wonderful dinner scene that I don't think you, you haven't gotten to yet because you're midway through chapter eight. Um, there's this wonderful dinner scene that we're going to have to talk about next week that I absolutely love. Um, because she just, she lets it fly, she lets her opinions fly. We get into slavery and opinions of people, and I love, and it was great. And it was very well done. Well, I'm in, okay, so I'm, I've, at, I've, you know, reached the point where um, they've, landed their for their ship after their first flight and everything and Thorpe is basically in love with her already. Mm -hmm. Um and they're um you know he's talking about how he feels bad that he's basically like delivering her to this awful fate that you know he she's he doesn't know if she'll make it out alive, if she'll be okay. So I wanna see what's gonna happen with that. Like if he's gonna leave his ship and go after her to help her or if he's gonna like help her from afar and do what he can while following think, orders and I think if he goes in and tries to help her I think she's gonna get really upset with him because I don't see her as being the type of character to be like I need help even if she actually needs help she's not gonna be the kind of person who's gonna say I need help she's gonna be one of those ones who just keeps pushing along and trying to figure things out until it's too late. That's probably true. I think Dashwood is gonna go after her. That I do see, I do see that happening, because I think wherever she goes, Dashwood goes, because he's got Ducky Syndrome. But unfortunately, you know what Ducky Syndrome, huh? That unfortunately for Dashwood, I kind of think that she looks at him like a kid brother now. No, I don't see, did you catch, There's a, there was a point where they got separated and there was like this, they almost held hands when they passed each other. Yes, and she kind of gave him this stare, like, wait, don't go, like, I think he's, he's, there's there's some feelings from her there, whether she recognizes them or not, but I think, you know, when I say Ducky Syndrome, I'm referring to Pretty in Pink, and the character Ducky. Oh, yeah. Well, huh? I said, well, yeah. Well, just in case some of our listeners don't know, I know you know, because you I know you've watched Pretty Pink plenty of times. Um, love that movie. Um, but yeah, I like to refer to that as Ducky Syndrome, where you've got this boy who's just crazy after the girl and going after the girl, but she doesn't. She's fond of him, and she adores him and loves them to an extent, but we don't know exactly how that love is. And he's going to follow her to the end of the earth, whether she likes it or not. Because in the word Ducky, he is the Rebecca bunch of he is the Rebecca bunch of the Golden Dragon. <laughs> and I love that you're able to pull in a crazy ex girlfriend reference. Totally am. I watched it right before this show started. I am on season two finale. Oh my! You're on season two finale already? Mm -hmm. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's I. Everybody out there, you need to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because it's been on the bubble for getting canceled for forever, and this is a really great show. Um, I got Michelle hooked on it, and I just found out that Michelle got another friend hooked on it, so we're getting the rest of you hooked on it. 
Um, so yeah, we're going to have to talk off air about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because mm-hmm. I have a lot of feels after season two. Um, lots of issues. But anyway. Yes, she's, anyway. He is the crazy ex-girlfriend without being an ex-girlfriend. crazy ex-girlfriend, though. Because, I mean, it, it implies that he's got this, this craziness about him if he's the Rebecca Bunch. And I see more Ducky in the lovable sense. And it's, this is me being Team Dashwood <laughs> saying, no, he's not the crazy ex-girlfriend. Okay, maybe not the crazy ex-girlfriend. He is, oh my gosh, it just fell out of my head, but I had a really good analogy for him. Oh my God. Um, my husband is over there judging the crap out of us right now, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, he better, be, he better be impressed. It's okay, he's battling like a warlock or something right now. I don't know what he's doing. Um... <laughs> Oh my gosh, what was I just going to say? It was perfect. Um, I forget. It, it'll come back and it'll be epic, but... And I'll tweet it awesome. at midnight. <laughs> oh, he's not the crazy ex-girlfriend, but he... You go. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, I just... I see him as being the... Um, Victorian era ducky where he just he falls on the bed and he's like I love this woman I love this woman I love this woman <laughs> I totally see that and you could you could I'm totally relating this book to the pretty and pink because then Thorpe is the um, the rich boyfriend that she has and then you've got the um, was it Malayan woman um, what was it what was the last name there's so many Odd names that I'm so not used to. Is it Jugga or Jurga? Oh, I, I'm sure my pronunciation of these names is nowhere near what the actual pronunciation is. I am sure, outside of Dashwood, Thorpe, and Miriam, I've been, I'm pushing every single one of them. But um, I love Sar- Sarah Manga. Sarah. Dagma Bora. That's her friend. That is, that's the older friend that uh, the Pretty in Pink character has that owns the record shop. Without all the crazy hair. And so, Ava, we have successfully drawn parallels from your book to Pretty in Pink. Yes. I believe that is a talent. Well, I don't I I'm not really sure that Dashwood has a chance in hell. But be, madam. We shall see. <laughs> <laughs> you and I might have to duel this out after the show. I don't, it's just, it's Thorpe, like, he's smart and he's educated, and not that Dashwood isn't, because he totally is, he's, he, you know, worked his way up through the King's Royal Navy and all that stuff. Yeah, but he's, he's, all the charm, all this charm and sophistication and whatnot, but that's, Who's to say a girl's gonna want that at the end of the day? Okay. She's gonna want the guy who is going to be there for her, who's going to make her laugh, who's gonna be just as nerdy as she is. That's the kind of guy that she's gonna want. Okay, so we need t-shirts for this month too. 
is we what do. I need. Mean. I need a Team Dash lip shirt. The lines have been drawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the first series, so I mean, we might not get answers as to who wins this battle after this book. What? Yeah, it's a series. It's the first in the series. Do you not realize this? I know you said that last week, too, and as soon as you said it now, I remembered it, but I forgot. <sighs> We might not have our answers. You might not have all of your answers. You know who Thorpe reminds me of, and that's probably why I love him so much? Valak from The Poison Study. Really? He reminds you of Valak from Poison Study? I feel like he does. I feel like he could bust out some crazy assassin moves at any moment, and I feel like he will. Because... Moody and dorky may make you laugh, but crazy assassin sophisticated captains, they'll keep you alive. But silly dorky, you underestimate him. While he's making you laugh, he's slipping something <laughs> his turn. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't see Thorpe. I mean, I see where you're coming from with Thorpe and Valak. He's not as cold as Valak was. Valak was very cold. Thorpe isn't. Well, Thorpe actually has a heart. Valak has a heart. He's one Valak of my has favorite a heart. Heart of ice. Don't get me wrong. I love Valak. Um, he was one sexy character. Mm -hmm. But, ooh, we need to have a topic of literary boyfriends. Maybe we're going to have Aaron Lindsay McCabe on that first week of March. We might have to have this discussion with her, especially when, you know, we, we've got I Shall Be Near to You. Um, Jeremy. I know, I know. That I think she'll be perfect. We could discuss our literary boyfriends. Because, I mean, Valak would be one of our literary boyfriends. Maybe one of my literary boyfriends. I like him. <laughs> I, I, I liked him. I mean, he's he's... Colder in that he's got he's got a heart, but you gotta spend a little extra time warming it up. And he he really loves those that are close to him. But if you're not close to him, he's he shuts you down. And I don't think Thorpe is quite that way. I think Thorpe no, is I mean, he's not. He's had Miriam on the ship for what like twelve hours, and he's in love with her. Yeah, I mean, and Thorpe is a good guy. Wait until you get to the dinner scene and you just discover the stuff of the slaves. I mean, I think so far my favorite scene in this book is the scene where. She encounters these slaves on the road, and I, I can't give it away because I want you to love it. And he's he comes in, and he's very charming with her, and that's when he started to win me over a little bit. Um, so he's he's not quite as cold and as duty-bound as, as Valak is. Well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Apparently you're going to agree to disagree with me. I miss Valak. I need to go back and reread that book too. Um, <laughs> so, well, we do have Eva, Eva, Ava. She'll have to settle that debate for us when mm -hmm. she comes along. Um, not next Thursday because that is a week early. What was the date that she's coming? Oh, yeah, next week. Next weekend is the twenty-third. It's the last Thursday of the month. Damn it! I am so this short month is messing me up. Okay. Obviously, because we had this discussion before we went on air, too. 
Okay, so she'll be on the show next Thursday, which means we have a week to finish the book. <clears throat> so we should be roughly halfway through the book at this point. So we've got to have a book to finish. I'm, I mean, it's I'm on chapter nine's at ninety six, and we it's one hundred ninety four pages. So I mean, you got less. Than okay. Yeah, we're not ridiculously person. behind. Yeah, and I'm the kind of person where once I'm at a hundred, if I have a hundred pages to go, I I've got to read it and finish it. I can't set it down. Uh, the world stops for those hundred pages. So I'm at that point now with this book. Well, I've started waking up at 4.15 every morning to write, so I'll probably just dedicate that time one morning to read. God, I don't understand how you and Julie can do that. I can barely get up at 6.30 in the morning. But then again, yeah. I'm the night owl of the group. I'm the one who goes to bed between like midnight and 1 o'clock. And I'm asleep on the couch by 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that Thursday. I can kind of see why you guys like why you like that. No, not... Not us. He is up until like 11. I am asleep. Every night. <laughs> he is a night owl. I, I am. I used to be. I remember the days when I was a night owl. It was good times. But not anymore. <laughs> I'm a night owl as long as I have my laptop and, and or a book. That's when I'm the night owl. Well, okay, you guys have a week to finish reading the book and mm -hmm. figure out uh, which team you're on. Team Thorpe, right here. Team Dashwood. <laughs> Team Dashwood, baby. <laughs> and um, if you have any questions for it, oh, hello. What are you doing awake? I'm just going to wander in here. Like, wanted to come say hello to me. Like it's not 11 o'clock at night? Hello. Um, <laughs> all right. You to say hello to me, huh? She's like still asleep. Um, <laughs> if you have any questions that you would like us to ask during the show, please um, let us know on our Facebook page or on Twitter. Um, and all of that information is always included so you guys know where to reach us. Mm -hmm. And thanks for listening. Yes. Crazy uh, debate over fictional boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started off with adventures and we ended up with fictional boyfriends. It's always a fun topic. Okay, good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks. Bye, Emily.